we have been talking about uh, identifying four rhythms of the gospel, four rhythms that Jesus lived out in his life, and these rhythms are, are rhythms of his grace and learning how to live out his grace. And, and it's a new way of living, a new pattern of living for us. And, and Jesus' new way of life is not burdensome, it's not heavy. In fact, it's, it's a life of grace. It's a life that is fully alive. And we've been talking about this, how it's, it's a chance, when we learn these rhythms, it's a chance to demonstrate God's one-way love to others. And our world needs to be shocked by that one-way love. And we need people of God living out this gospel rhythm of grace, shocking the world. Now, the, the rhythm this week is celebration. Now, we've talked about recently uh, that some rhythms aren't so natural to us. Uh, and, and sometimes we have a hard time getting it. And, but yet Jesus is very patient with us. And, and so, but there are rhythms that are more natural to us and even natural to the world. We, we talked about the table, eating. Everybody eats. It's a rhythm of life. But when we bring Jesus into it, there's a chance to demonstrate this one-way love. Communitas, taking risks together to bless others. That's not so natural to us. It takes a little more practice, but Jesus is patient with us and again, we invite him into it. Today, it's a rhythm that's uh, a little more natural to us. In fact, the world is pretty good at celebrating. Uh, we can look in our own city and the festivals during the summer and the uh, fall. There's a lot of fun that's going on and people know how to celebrate. You go to work and, and you might end up going, oh, I didn't know it was boss's day or I didn't know it was administrative assistance day. I mean, there ends up being a little celebration along the way throughout a whole year. Well, that's not uncommon for the people of God and what God demonstrated for his people. In fact, the Israelites, they had nearly a celebration every single month. And most of these celebrations that God gave to his people were to be remembrances of what he, has done, what he had done for them in the past. And so with God, celebration and remembering go together. And you guys know this, and the world knows this, really. Uh, I mean, there are certain things that we remember and celebrate. And when you don't remember or celebrate, well, okay, take for instance uh, anniversary. If you remember to celebrate your anniversary, it's all happy. If you forget to celebrate your anniversary, it's sad. <laughs> and it's the same thing with the world. And remembrance with celebration is important. We can't forget certain things. In the gospel accounts, we see Jesus is usually revealing something important, significant about himself at celebrations. At the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus announced that he was living water for those who are thirsty. At the Feast of Dedication, he announced that he's the one who gives eternal life. And the most famous celebration that Sue uh, told with the kids and told you guys just a moment ago was the wedding that Jesus appeared. He wasn't even part of the wedding party. He was just a guest. But even as a guest... Jesus brought something that made the whole party better. Now, I know that uh, there are celebrations that we get invited to. We're not the host of the party. We're not the ones setting the tone. But you know what? When we come, if we invite Jesus into it, we can bring something better to that celebration. And, of course, there are the parties and the celebrations that we do host. And there's a chance to invite Jesus from the beginning of that as we plan those. And it's a great time to celebrate with those things no, the thing with uh, the Jesus turning water to wine is, is that it was a miracle. 
A miracle is skipping. It's leaping over the bounds and boundaries of natural law and time. That's what miracles do. They, they skip over natural laws that God set in place and time, and, and it's something incredible. And I believe that when we invite Jesus into our celebration, there's a chance to kind of skip over, leap over some of those natural boundaries, those natural laws that maybe kind of divide us, that kind of people put up walls, but all of a sudden you're at a celebration and the walls come down. And what maybe would have took a whole lot of time, a whole lot of conversations, maybe even years, can happen in a moment in a celebration. And the walls come down, and great relationships are built, great things happen. And I believe that can happen with Jesus Christ when we invite him in. The final word in the summation of all this is that when we invite Jesus into our celebration, he makes it better. Celebration is important in our lives. And if it's not a rhythm of your life, you need to bring it in. You need to start learning that rhythm, whether it's a celebration of, of anniversaries or birthdays. You can start practicing there. And from there, once you get good at celebrating some of those birthdays and anniversaries that are in your own family, start learning how to celebrate that with others and make it a joy and bring joy, the joy of Christ to it. You know, this coming Friday, we're going to be celebrating nine years together, and I... I, I I want to say that I think it's important that we remember what God has done and we celebrate it. It's going to be a great time. And even for you guys who don't dance, hey, we'll have some cornhole set up over on the side and we'll, we'll do some tournaments and, and I'll challenge you to it, all right? And, uh, but really, uh, that's all I, I have to say about celebration and the rhythm of celebration today. What I need to talk, you, talk to you with about is when the Lord interrupts the rhythm of our life. And so I'm, I'm here to interrupt this message with the story, and it's a bit of a personal story, but I'd like you to listen to it from the start to finish, because I think there's something in it for everyone here. And without beginning or end of this story, without any other, other answers, I'll just get to the main theme of this story. The Lord is interrupting my life, and He's telling me that my assignment at Highland is done. Now, you remember back on September 14th, I shared with you a challenge to pray, uh, uh, 9, noon, 3 o'clock, and some of you got your alarms set, and they'll, they'll, they're going to go off here at noon, just a little bit, and you can offer up that silent prayer. We've been praying together, and we're uh, past the halfway mark of 40 days, and um, I shared with you a challenge that came from Doris, our, our, one of our spiritual mentors here at Highland, to every time you set your foot down. When you open up your car door to pray, your kingdom come. Well, these prayers have been started. And, and I, I shared with you at the beginning of that a message of Jonah asleep in the storm. And while the ship's crew, uh, while the storm was going on, the ship's crew are crying out to their gods. Well, I think I'm more like Jonah than I thought. And uh, the 40 days of prayer that we've entered into and uh, praying kingdom come everywhere I set my foot has awakened my spirit to what God's voice has been telling me for nearly two years. Answer my call, Shannon. Answer my call. And the problem with that is, is like Jonah, I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. 
I thought I was going to be here forever. But God's calling on my life is to start things, to develop new roles, to help people do new things. And God has told me it's time to do something new. But over the past nine years, I've built some great relationships with all of you. I've, I've, we've built a, a great team here for Highland, uh, staff members and friends who have sacrificed to help start and establish this church. I have family that are here. And uh, to think about that uh, feels like to let a lot of people down. And I didn't want to do that. And any time I, I began to share some of these thoughts with my wife, she would tell me, Shannon, you can't think that way. That just will make you weaker. You need to you gotta think strong. You gotta think different thoughts, because we're here to stay and we're going to endure. So like Jonah, I would just kind of brush off that quiet whisper from the Lord, and I would just hunker down in the belly of the ship and go to sleep. But when you're not doing your assignment, or you're doing someone else's assignment, uh, things don't go well. And uh, one person can start messing up things for other people. And that's what happened with Jonah, isn't it? I mean, that storm that the sailors are in and the ship was in, that storm wasn't for the sailors. The storm was for, for Jonah and to get him where he needed to be. And even when the sailors heard Jonah's story, and again, in God's divine plan, he, he did work it together for good for those sailors. I mean, they, they turned to God, but... When those sailors found out Jonah's story, they didn't want him to get off the ship. But the only thing that was going to ensure that ship continued sailing and and for the storm to subside was if Jonah got off that ship. Well, after September 14th and and all the prayer began around here, I sensed the Lord telling me, if you get off the ship, it'll be all right. It'll be all right for this church. It'll be all right for you and your family. So in the meantime, while this is going on in me, My wife, uh, my very gifted wife, Sherry, has been preparing the script for the story of God. Uh, You know, we did a presentation two years ago, 16 weeks, 16 scenes from Genesis to Revelation telling God's divine plan and uh, dramatizing in a a musical form. But after that, we always thought, wouldn't it be great if it was all put together in one setting? You know, a 90-minute, hour and a half, like a a Broadway musical. What would it be like? And, And so... Uh, we began preparing that and, and thinking maybe Easter would be the time for that. And my son Isaac and his friend Eddie, who are both uh, talented musicians and writers, they, they began composing the music, original music for this story of God. And since the beginning of August, all three of them have been putting together amazing stuff for this 90-minute presentation of God's divine plan. And, and one of the things that really bothered me about this, though, was that uh, my wife... Uh, went with our missions team to China. And uh, while she was there, she got these ideas in her head from the Lord. And, uh, and uh, she had this impression that it was the story of God was only to be eight to nine cast members. And I'm, as a pastor, I'm going, what, what in the world are we supposed to do with that? I mean, you know, when you do stuff at a church, you want it to involve lots of people, and that's not very many people. And... Uh, and then there was another impression that even made it more troubling. My, my wife had this impression that uh, our family were to be cast members in this. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to go over well. That, that is just going to sound really exclusive. Um, so it felt like, okay, we need to talk about this with the elders. And we shared it with them, and, and they 
you know, kind of looked at us and kind of scratched their heads and said, well, okay, if that's what you think the Lord is telling you. And, and um, they weren't real sure, but knew it was a good thing. So uh, it was enough for us to continue on. And uh, so after that, uh, in fact, September 15th, after everything, all the prayer began, uh, myself and the rest of our family who had been considering the question said yes. Every fam- family member said yes. We weren't guaranteed that every family member would say yes, but everybody said yes, we, they would do it. And in the midst of this, there's also what's going on with the church as a whole and where the Lord wants us to go. And I'm sensing where the Lord wants the church to go, but I'm feeling torn. And uh, finances are tight with the church. And coming to the end of the first month of fall, there's this realization that some of the cuts we were trying to hold off or keep from making, we were going to have to make. And, uh, you know, and it just felt like being on that ship with Jonah and everybody's throwing stuff off the ship, the stuff that we need to navigate and keep going. And uh, 10 days into the 40 days of the prayer and the intensity of the Lord's voice and the circumstances around me were, are just turned up high. And my prayers kind of went like this. And, and I write out my prayers in a journal because it's the way I focus, it's the way I do it. And so I went back to look at these and, and kind of go, okay, what, what was going on here? And September 24th, I know you're sovereign, but I can't see the big picture of your design in this and for Highland. So I'll look at smaller things, uh, being faithful as a husband, father, pastor. September 25th, writer of the book of life. I don't know where I'm at in your story and why I feel the way I do. Help me to be, do, say, or go in such a way that relieves this agitation in me. I just want to be a disciple maker. I just want to help people trust you. September 26, help me to perceive what you're doing around me. Show me where to stand. Show me how to stand. And I will trust you. If you want me to go or stay, I will trust you because you have the best in mind for everyone. And it was after that day that I told Sherry what I knew all along for months. Sherry, I'm Jonah. If I get off the ship, everything will be okay. And this time, my wife didn't resist me. And she sensed that it was true and right. And she was scared, and I was scared, but I told her, the church is going to be okay. When we hop off, the storm will cease. And for us, well, we're just going to have to wait for God to send a whale. So we got ready to leap, not knowing where we would land. I wrote my letter of resignation, but held on to it. Uh, We sat down with our kids and told them what we were about to do. And my kids are smart, they're bright, and they ask some very logical questions. They ask, well, where are we going to go? What are you going to do, Dad? And does this mean that we have to move? And I said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. That's hard to say to your kids when they're looking at you and asking you those questions. But I do know this, kids, that I know the Lord is telling me to do this, and I can't ignore him any longer. So, again, Part of this whole story we had on the calendar long in advance before any of this was coming to be external thoughts and external conversations, Um, but we had on the calendar for our friend and mentor, uh, Benny Prophet, to come. And uh, this was just part of the plan uh, of bringing people who uh, have been voices in our life of influence in the past. And so like next month, we have Tommy Oaks coming in, another 
influencer in uh, my, my life and my wife's life. So uh, it was just part of the plan of bringing encouragement to Highland. Um, and we hadn't talked much on the phone with Benny except to get times and dates and places ready. And so when he arrived, we swapped stories and caught up with each other. And, um, and then he began to share a plan that he had had for the past five years. And this is, he's been traveling around the world, people, places, resources, lining up to help complete the Great Commission in our lifetime, a huge endeavor, and a plan to establish 300 training centers around the world in 15 years. And one part of the plan is to train young people from each nation to be messengers to their own people. And it's to equip them with a message of the gospel of the kingdom. But it needed to be dramatic. And Benny said, when I knew that it had to be something dramatic, I thought of you and Sherry, but I, I waited. I've been hanging on to this for five years. Uh, I knew that you were in the midst of a church and your kids were younger. and So now I'm sharing it with you now, wondering if the timing is right. And then he shared more thoughts like he did with all of you last Sunday about the kingdom of God being pictured or represented in the family. Well, actually, uh, at that point in the conversation, I was saying, well, many were actually working. We've been working on this for quite a while, this dramatic presentation of the story of God. And in fact, it's laced with language about the kingdom. And actually, there's been this strange, compelling impression that we don't understand that our family is to be the first in performing this. And in fact, we made it a smaller cast because we know it needs to travel and it needs to go to our missionaries and help them. And then all of a sudden, everything started colliding. It started making sense. And Benny offered a role to me, my wife, and my whole immediate family to be trainers of First Priority Global. And that is our whale. So I want you to know that I gave my resignation to the elders, but there's a story behind it. And it's about a calling, it's about gifts, it's about abilities for a specific assignment. It's about listening and trusting God's voice, which I haven't done very well, but I hope I'm doing better now. And I believe that my assignment is done with Highland and it's time for someone else to be assigned to that role. Now, I'm going to remain during the transition until the end of December, so you won't get rid of me, rid of me that quick, but after January 1st, uh, I will no longer be a, a staff member of Highland. The elders of this church have been given an assignment to protect and be an example to the flock and hold to the truth and defend it, and with any assignment, there is a right authority that is given and the elders of this church have the good authority to lead in a transition like this. Now the elders know and I know that there is someone who's been training, prepared to lead, and is already leading. It's someone you already know. It's someone who has been investing in your lives and in the lives of your teenagers already. And Jason is ready to accept this assignment as lead pastor. Now over the next few weeks... The elders are going to be discussing what this change will mean for Highland. And there are still big questions uh, to answer. 
what does this mean for the student ministry? What does this mean for the Great Eagle? What does this mean for Elevate? And I want you to know that, that your input is welcome uh, with the elders and with Jason. But please pray for the elders and Jason as there is a, a great opportunity for new leadership to arise and help in the ministry of this church. Now, like Jesus gave power and authority to his disciples, I believe that God has given power and authority to these current leaders, and he'll also give it to the future leaders of Highland. And I want to say that it's been an honor, a great honor, to lead Highland for the past nine years and to serve alongside all of you. I'm I'm proud of all our volunteers. I'm proud of our volunteer leaders, and I'm proud of the staff and the team who pursued our mission with heart, conviction, time, treasure, and sweat. They've given it up. And I believe that Highland will continue to be a strong witness in the city of Asheville and become a home to many more who are looking for a spiritual family, the spiritual family of God, through Jesus, through the love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus. And I believe that to my core.